Hey, everybody. Y'all doing good today? Welcome to church. I'm thrilled to be here. My lovely bride is here as well. So Dawn giveaway, 37 years we'll be celebrating coming up. I'm married way beyond my capacity, and I'm thankful for it. Everyone watching online, welcome. Hey, would you do me a favor? Would you do a fire emoji or a thumbs up, or would you hit the share button and pass it on to your friends and family so that they can be blessed as they're taught the word as well? Speaking of computers, did you know that the oldest computer can be traced back to Adam and Eve? Yeah, it was an apple <laughs> with extremely limited memory. It only had one bite, and then everything crashed. Yeah, that's good stuff. I don't care what you say. That's just a good one. All right, I'm glad to be here today, and I'm excited to teach you on something that is already in place in this spiritual house. Sometimes whenever guest speakers come in, the, the audience, the spiritual family wonders, did, did they get told something and they're, they're trying to correct something? Not the case at all. All your pastor does is brag on you all the time. So I'm here today to reinforce something that's already in place, to try to build something stronger that's already in place because I believe it's gonna continue to make a difference and you're gonna continue to be blessed as you stay right in the thick of what I wanna share with you today. The title today is this, The Power of Unity. The Power of Unity. The applications will be like this. You in unity with God, you in unity with the people around your life, in your marriage, with your children, with your parents, in your small group, and you in unity with your spiritual family. It's very, very important because it makes a difference in the world. Which, by the way, I've got some good news to announce to you. The High Ridge Family of Churches is gonna be growing at the start of 2022. We're gonna have spiritual family in Northern California. Pastor Levi is there launching a church and we're all in this together. Come on, somebody say amen. <clears throat> And he'll be launching in either full, uh, Folsom or, or um, Rockland, Northern California. One of those, there's possibility in both those cities. So pray for him. And then coming out of the Fort Worth congregation, there will be a new congregation starting in 2022 in Parker County, which will capture all the cities of Brock, Weatherford, Alito, Aneta, Aneta South, Willow Park, Hudson Oaks. We're just calling it a county named church so that we can capture all the people in all the cities. So the spiritual family of churches is growing and we're all in this together and awesome things are happening and I'm excited to teach you the word today. God desperately desires for his people to be in unity with him, with each other, and as spiritual family. It's something that he wants to see take place in a greater measure than it's already taken place. Why? Because it makes a statement to the world that nothing else can cover. Unity in the spiritual family speaks to the world in a way that nothing else can. It's something that Jesus prayed for. The night before he was betrayed, the night before he was crucified, he was with his disciples and he was praying. And in John 17, he prays this, and I read from John 17. I in them, so he's praying, Lord, you in me, I in them and you in me that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know. Why, why does God want us to to have power in our unity, in our marriages, our families, our small groups, in our churches, in a family of churches, because it makes a statement to the world that the world is desperately needing to hear. So this is gonna tie right in with the awesome series Pastor Tim has been teaching. It's been phenomenal. Things that Jesus said that are easy to understand but hard to do. Yeah, and so this is it. 
Unity is easy to understand, but sometimes it's hard to do. Praise God, it's easy to do here. And so we're just gonna build momentum today, amen? Unity will convince the world of Christ. Unity shows the world who Christ is. I'm not talking today about union. Union is a common bond. I'm talking about unity. I'm not talking today about uniformity. Uniformity is where everyone has to look alike. We're talking about unity. I'm not talking about unanimity, which is where everyone has to agree on everything. We're talking about unity. And what we must have is unity that is built around purpose. Our lives unified with purpose, with a view in mind, with, with thoughts and actions that, that flow out of the power that comes from unity. Jesus prayed it for us, therefore we should be all about it. And God wants it to be strong in our lives. You see, I believe that, that the strategy of Satan is to divide and conquer. Satan wants to divide and conquer. Do you all know that Satan is not God's enemy? Did you know that? He's not God's enemy. Now, I know some of you are going, oh, Pastor Jeff, I don't agree with that at all. There's a battle going on. No, Satan is a defeated foe. That's what the Bible says. When Jesus conquered sin and death, he conquered everything Satan had to offer. Germany is not our, is not our enemy. We conquered them. Japan is not our enemy. We conquered them. Satan is not God's enemy. He's your enemy. He's after trying to destroy your life. He's after trying to get you to think bad things and speak bad words, trying to get you to get into a place of, uh, of distance from God and not stay in the place of the power of unity. And I just wanna speak today to help you to fight off the warfare that Satan is bringing against you. He intends to make non-gospel issues divisive. His motive is division, his method is deception, and his mission is destruction. But our enemy cannot defeat a united church. Come on, somebody. Our enemy cannot defeat a united church. But he'll sure try to take out one member at a time. Hashtag COVID. Hashtag politics. I'm getting close now. During the election last year, I shared how I vote, what motivates me to vote the way that I do. After that service, I was fried on social media by those angry with me that I did not endorse a certain presidential candidate. Now, little do they know that I've done that three times, and every time I've endorsed a presidential candidate, they lost. So I had people leave the church and, and let me have it because I did not endorse a certain candidate. Then I had people leave the church because they knew I was supporting the other candidate according to the values that I vote with. Divisiveness. Where does it come from? It comes from the enemy. He'll try to pick people off with fear, complacency, hurt feelings. He can't defeat a united church, but if he can get someone to have hurt feelings, he can defeat them and pull them out of the power of unity. He can bring distractions and discouragement, and I'm here to tell you today, but not us, in Jesus' name, not us. So why do I believe in unity so strongly? Well, not only did Jesus pray it, but I want you to see in Ephesians chapter four that before Jesus left earth, he released gifts into people so that unity could maintain. I wanna show this to you. It's in Ephesians chapter four. We're gonna start in verse 11, but let me give you a little background this way. There are four lists of spiritual gifts given in the scripture. I call these the master's gifts because they're given by Jesus. There are also gifts given that motivate us, the gifts that the Father gives, Romans chapter 12. There are also gifts given in the first part of 1 Corinthians 12 that manifest, that show up 
All of those can happen through your life if you're willing. But then at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's the ministry gifts, which are gifts that the Holy Spirit ministers through. And these are the master's gifts, and they're still for today. Has it ever dawned on you that God cannot change? Have you thought about that? God can't change. He cannot improve upon himself. If he could, then he couldn't be God. He is perfect in every way. Everything he does is right. And as Jesus is, as he was, so he is in the world. That's what the Bible says. As Jesus did, he wants to continue to do. I want to show you unity in Ephesians chapter 4. Follow along with me. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors, and teachers. Let's stop there. You notice that the way that I did that was with my hand. Here, here's an easy way to understand the gifts that the master gives. He gave those and he still gives those because he wants the church to continue to move forward like it did in the first century. The apostle can touch all the other gifts. The only one that can really touch all the other gifts is the, is the fathering gift, the, the visionary gift, the, the one that is able to rise up like dad or, or grandpa can and see things that you can't see when you're a kid. The prophet. The prophet is the index finger because the prophet points the way. Now the evangelist would be the tallest finger. The evangelists draw the biggest crowds. Now let me tell you what I did when I was teaching this one time. Y'all already know where I'm going, don't you? I held each finger up individually and I went to the apostle, the prophet, and then I held up the next finger by itself. And I hear my lovely right over here to the side. Oh, oh. And then the whole room fills with laughter and I have no clue what's going on. I mean, my comedy is not like Pastor Tim's. It doesn't flow out of a reservoir. Mine happens by accident. I'm thinking, why is everybody laughing? And then I looked up and saw what I was doing. Sorry, sorry. But nevertheless, the evangelist is, is that one. The, the pastor is, is the ring finger, marrying and burying. They, they love to care for people. And the teacher is the little finger because teachers dig out the nuggets and give them to the people. That was free. The rest is gonna cost you. So he gives these five gifts. Let's go on, verse 12. Why? Why does he give these gifts? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up. I love that word. It means to strengthen. For the strengthening of the body of Christ. Now look at this, verse 13. This is very, very important. Until, somebody say until. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Has that happened yet? My answer is no. The church has not been unified in faith and it won't happen until the Lord returns and at that moment we'll be unified in faith. All of our belief systems that have pushed other people away, all of our teachings that have hurt people unnecessarily will fall aside. We'll all be in unity and faith as we go with the Lord to our eternal home in heaven. But until then, he's still working through giftings and he's still working to build unity. Why? Because a unified church cannot be stopped till we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, our enemy is the prince of the power of the air, and he is working overtime against the church. But don't let him scare you, because he's outnumbered by other angels two to one, which is what he is, he's a fallen angel. 
He's outnumbered by all the angels working with Michael and all the angels working with Gabriel. And he does not compare with God on a battle organizational chart. No comparison. We're on the winning team. We are in a place of victory. Unity is getting stronger. Grace is flowing better than ever. Why? Because we love the Lord and he loves his church. And we're in the process of moving to fullness, to maturity. Verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way unto him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, somebody say the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow and builds itself up in love. You know I think this is referencing here? Small groups. Small groups is where you can connect. I firmly believe you grow more sitting in a circle than you do sitting in rows. Now, I'm praying you grow today. I'm praying everyone with us online, all of our spiritual family, we love you. I'm praying you grow spiritually. But where you really grow is where you're in a circle. And they know you're with them and they know that they, and, they, and you know that they're with you. And there's a strength that comes when you pray, when you encourage each other, that nothing else can accomplish. And that's what it says here, by which each joint supplies to build itself up in love. How many of you parents have ever heard Barney sing, I love you, you love me? Anybody know the song? We are a great big family. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that should be the church's song. I need you, you need me. Why? Because we're a great big family. We're a great big family advancing the cause of Christ. I'm talking today about teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. Teamwork is the combined effective action of a group to achieve a common vision. Teamwork is the fuel that allows common people to produce uncommon results. Look at what's happening from a group of common people called High Ridge Church Longview, changing a city, leading speakers from around the world coming and speaking here. Why? Because this is happening. Uncommon people producing, I mean, common people producing uncommon results. I commend you. I tip my hat to the strength of your unity. And I just want to add to it today. Teamwork is a two-way street reaching out to help others and also being open and receptive to letting others help you. It's just a blessing that way. In the end, teamwork can be summed up in five short words. We believe in each other. We believe in each other. I need you, you need me. Why? Because we're better together than we are by ourselves. And it's what God's wanting to do. Noah and his family, better together than by themselves. Moses and all the men that that stood with him according to Jethro's challenge, stronger than just one by themselves. Gideon, a lot stronger with his 300 than he was by himself. Nehemiah, a lot stronger with those who helped him build the wall around Jerusalem in 52 days than he was by himself. Power in unity. Power in what happens together. Jesus and the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The 12 apostles who were apostles to and with him changed the world. Look what happened as a result of the Son of God taking on flesh and blood. Look what happened to our world. There's now hope. There's now grace. There's now the opportunity for eternal life. Why did it happen? Because Jesus chose to put himself in unity with 12 men. How about Paul, Silas, Barnabas, and the other apostles of the church? Look at what happened from their unity. The known world changed. 
as they went in unity together and took the message of grace around the world and the power of unity and the whole world changed. And friends, we're here as the result of their lives. We're here. Aren't you glad the Apostle Paul chose to give his life for Jesus? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because you now know what it's like to know God because you get to receive from one who was there with him. The power that comes in unity. We're better together. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine and following says this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their, their labor, their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. He is not another to lift him up again. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? I discovered something that I didn't know was a part of marriage about six months after we got married. I'm minding my own business one night in a deep sleep, and uh, it had gotten cold outside, the weather had changed, and me just enjoying just the depth of, of sleep to be interrupted by two ice-cold appendages from my wife coming over and sliding in between my legs, her feet. And I thought to myself, how rude. What's the deal here? And we woke up and we had a little moment right there in bed. Have y'all ever had those? We just had a little moment. And like, I was asleep. She's like, my feet are cold. I don't care. You should. It's for better or for worse. And I need somewhere to put my cold feet. And I said, start wearing socks. That solved that problem. We've been in unity ever since. <laughs> two are better than one. Three are better than two. And on and on we go. The power of unity. Y'all have it. I just, wanna, I just wanna add to it today. And stir your vision and stir your passion for not only a city, but cities. And not just cities, but a county. And not just a county, but a region. What would happen if unity would hit the church in East Texas? What would happen? What would happen if people just determined, we're gonna have unity around the purpose of helping people meet Jesus, helping people know that God is love, helping people understand that a spirit-filled life is a blessed life. What would happen? Well, you've got a taste of it going on right here in this house already, and I'm just believing for more, and I wanna be a part of it. I'm honored to be a part of what's going on here. I wanna give you three practical steps for effective teamwork. Three steps. Number one, team members must care for one another. To have unity, you must care for one another. Applies in marriage, family, friends, small group, church life. You gotta care for each other. Psalm 133, verse one. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. I was reading the other day, I think it was a quip. I don't think it was actually something that happened, but two guys were sitting on one end of a boat while everyone else was at the other end of the boat feverishly bailing the water out of the boat because there was a hole in that end of the boat. And one guy says to the other, thank goodness that the hole isn't on our end of the boat. <laughs> isn't it crazy how we think sometimes? Well, that's their problem. That, that's their issue. No, it's not. It's something you're to take to the Lord in prayer. It's our issue. A divided church is our issue. It's our issue. People speaking against the grace of God, that's our issue. 
It's something we pray about. Don't condemn. You don't need to have a salvo and send a volley out on social media. Pray. Pray and let it be so that this unity that causes brothers to dwell together, that it'll pour forth in our world. Number two, team members must communicate with each other. We must communicate with each other. Matthew 12, 25, Jesus said, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. Don and I served in a church many years ago that didn't have unity of purpose. There wasn't a unity in the house. There wasn't a desire to help people meet Jesus and then get on the process to, to, to live a spirit-filled life. There wasn't a unity in, in what happened today in honoring the audience of one in worship. It just, it was, it was disjointed all over the place. We had, we had the promise keeper's vision. Now, for those of you who don't know, there was a movement geared toward men that hit the church in America and then went worldwide to call men back to their faith, and it was powerful. I went to some of those, some of those events. But there was a group in church that thought the whole church should be about this, just this. Then there was the intercessory prayer vision. About the same time, a pastor in Rockwall, Texas, wrote a book about prayer, about how you can pray for one hour. And uh, then, then we had the group of people in church life that, that the intercessory prayer ministry was the most important ministry in church life, and they despised promise keepers and the other visions, the, the other things that happened. And then we had the, I don't know what to call, but I would just say the extra biblical manifestation group. The group that was out to try to always bring into the worship service things that weren't found in the Bible, but they thought should be a part of every single worship service we had. And they were bound and determined. Whatever the new thing was, there was always something coming along that, that, somebody, that, that came to somebody, and, and, and it was always supposed to be all of it received, regardless of how crazy it was. Regardless if there were, somebody had flags and they were waving flags and hitting people, which happened in this church. You couldn't say anything about it because God told me. God told me. No unity. Everybody doing their own thing. And man, I remember, I remember a time when, when the intercessory prayer vision was hosting a conference and the Promise Keepers vision were going to the Promise Keepers event to rally men around the, the, the purity of Christ in Colorado, and man, was there an explosion and a fuss that took place in that church. Do you know what happened? As a result of there not being unity, that church only lasted five years. Five years, it was a flash in the pan. Made a terrible statement to the community. Made the statement that the naysayers think is true with all of us. They don't know what they're doing. God can't make a difference in me if he can't make a difference in them. Look, why do I want to unify with a God when they can't unify with each other? I'm here to tell you what you're doing, what's happening in this spiritual house, what you hold in your heart right now, the, the unity that is around purpose to change a culture toward God is having a dynamic impact, and I want to commend you for it. It's awesome. And you're communicating with each other. I love it. Underneath authority, following vision, it's awesome. And then here's the third practical step. Your rights take second place. <laughs> I'll say it again for those of you online, just to be sure that you can hear it. Your rights take second place. John 17, verse 21, some more of the prayer that we started with a moment ago about unity. Listen to this. Jesus, that they all may be one, 
just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus submitted to the Father in unity. There was purpose in the unity that that Jesus had when he was here on earth, and there can be purpose in our unity too. Here's what TEAM stands for. Together, everyone achieves more. Together, we get to accomplish more. Stephen Covey is is an author that speaks to business principles. I don't know if he knows the Lord or not, but I found this to be apropos and very insightful for this very topic. So it's not gonna pop up on the screen, but you might wanna jot it down. It might be the most important thing you hear today. Dependent people need others to get what they want. Independent people get what they want through their own efforts. Interdependent people combine their own efforts with the efforts of others to achieve their greatest success. I wanna encourage you, if you are a dependent person, to become an interdependent person. If you're an independent person, oh, Lord, help us right now. Those of us that live as though we're an island to ourselves. I don't need anybody. I've got all I need. I've got Jesus right here. That's all that matters. No, it's not. You're a part of a family. You're a part of a body. God wants you to experience the power of unity. He wants you to be interdependent. Interdependent combine their own efforts with the efforts of others to achieve their greatest success. Are you ready to connect yourself to unity? And my hope and my prayer is that the answer is yes, that you're ready to connect to unity. Let's pray. I'd just like to ask those of you that are already Christ followers and the Holy Spirit's been speaking something to you, perhaps unity in your marriage, perhaps unity with your boss, your children, your parents. If that applies to you, I wanna pray for you. Would you slip your hand up all across the room? There were many in first service. Just lift your hand and say, Pastor, this concept of unity is speaking to me about someone and a situation in my life. I wanna pray for you. Whatever that situation might be. You're not raising your hand for my sake. You're just raising your hand, acknowledging, Lord, I hear you. Lord, I hear you right now. And so now I'm gonna... I'm going to agree with Pastor Jeff's prayer. All right, let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for my friends. I want to thank you for their honesty. I want to thank you for their integrity. And I want to thank you, Lord, for the spiritual blessings that you're pouring out right now from your right hand on their life, in their mind. I want to thank you for it, Lord. And I pray in whatever way that you've spoken to them over these moments, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would seal it in. Make it strong. Make it certain in their life. Bless my friends, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One more prayer before we go. If you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. This prayer is for those of you that would say, you know, Jeff, in all honesty, I don't have this God thing worked out yet. If I'm completely honest with myself, I'm not positive that at the end of my life, whenever that might be, that I'm gonna be with God in his heaven forever. By the way I've been living, I've got my doubts. Well, friend, I want to encourage you to recognize something. You don't have to leave this moment in the same way that you came into this moment. Right now, if you could see it, Jesus is reaching out his hand to meet you in your heart. Those in this room and those that are at home in other places, he wants to connect with you. 
And he wants to do something for you that you can't do for yourself. He wants to forgive your sins, all of them, past, present, and future. And friend, he's the only one that can do it because he conquered the ultimate end of sin when he rose victorious over death. So won't you let him? Won't you let him come into your life today? Won't you let him forgive your sins? There was a time when I needed to do this and I didn't know what to do and someone offered to help me pray and I took them up on their offer and God changed my life. And it would be my honor right now to help you pray, to connect with Jesus and to let him forgive your sins. So I wanna invite you to pray with me, boy or girl, mom or dad, grandma or grandpa, doesn't matter. I wanna invite you to pray with me right now. All right, here we go. Lord Jesus, I'm choosing to trust in you today. Come on, friend, pray with me. I'm choosing right now to believe that you're God's son and that when you conquered sin and death and came out of the grave, I'm choosing to believe that you did that for me. And I'm asking you right now, Lord, to come into my life, to take over my life, and to forgive me of all of my sins. And Lord, I want you to know, pray this, friend, this is important. Lord, I want you to know that starting right now, I'm not gonna live the rest of my life my way any longer. Starting right now, I'm gonna live the rest of my life with you. And here's the last part of the prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for just now hearing my prayer. And it's in your name that I've prayed. Amen. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, except those of you who just prayed with me. If you just prayed with me, would you look up at me right now? Would you just look up at me and give me a wave? Just look up at me and wave at me. God bless you, darling. Just look, yes, sir, God bless you. Just look up at me and wave at me. God bless you, darling. Just wave at me. Say, that's me in the balcony. Just wave at me. Anyone else? So that's me, Jeff. I just prayed with you. Good. Would the, the three of you look back this way? I'm proud of you. So excited. Those that prayed online, I'm proud of you. I'm so excited. I want to ask you to take the information card and put some contact information on there so that we can follow up with you and help you what to do next. You just took a great step, a step toward God. God bless you. Friends, look this way. Let's celebrate three in this service taking a step toward God.